today on It's Time. When we look to the Bible, the Bible tells us how we need to live. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. And this morning, if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Colossians. Paul writes this uh, little book to a church that he'd never been to, but he knew people that went to it, and he was deeply concerned what was to happen to them. And so when we pick up the story here in chapter 2, we left off last week at chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 2. And let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Give us your wisdom that comes from you. And God, that we would be able to remember these things that we read in your book, for they're as alive today as they were when your Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write them. And so now as we spend this time, may you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. This book, written about 60 years, uh, 60 A.D., Paul, of course, never being there, but yet his heart was tied to them. He understood how important it was. And so now he continues to write to them to encourage them. For I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, for as many as I have not seen face in the flesh. Now, the word here for uh, conflict is really struggle. And I don't think there's probably any greater struggle in a true minister of God than to people that you've led to the Lord get off doctrinally and begin to believe the heresies that are permeated in the world. It was a problem in Paul's day. I think it's just a bigger problem as it is today. Because there are so many different formulas to find God. How to get God on your team. How to move God. And so, you know, you've got all the faith words and you've got all this other stuff. And the heresies, rather than it, it really going back to as Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That aligns my purpose with God, not me trying to get God to get on my boat. <laughs> Oftentimes you'll find that. And so they have these things that you do, oh, your seed faith money or all this crazy stuff that, that is uh, uh, romping through the church almost regularly now, the winds of doctrine. So he says, I have conflict for you. Why? Because you know, as a pastor, what God gave to you for free, these guys are trying to merchandise it and try to make an edge to it to take advantage. 
Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. By the way, coupled together here, this is important. But he said, notice, being knit together in love, attaining to the riches. God's riches are different than man's riches. In fact, you'll find even a lot of churches, they'll focus on, we love each other, love, 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 and they talk about this, and yet they're suing other Christians. Really weird. In fact, it's highly forbidden in Scripture, and yet you see it go on. Why? Because they haven't found the source. They're focusing on the action, on the verb, rather than on the noun. You say, Mike, what are you saying? They're not focused on Jesus. They're focused upon an action. Well, Jesus, the Bible says, is the author, the finisher of our faith. How important it is to always keep Jesus first. Not love, but Jesus You know, back in the 60s, oh, that crazy time when many of us grew up. For you that are younger, you probably heard about it. Love is all you need. Well, no, you don't. You need Jesus. In fact, I think one of the most incredible things that I ever saw, as I remember, is the Beatles came out with a song called Love is All You Need, and then they broke up. What kind of love is that? Well, that's the love of the world. That's a love apart from God. And uh, when we really realize that God's got something for each one of us far greater than anything you would know in the riches of this world, they're found in the Spirit. Now he tells us in verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to know about God, you want to know everything about God, it is found in him. Now, now what's, what's, I think, important about this particular verse here, the word hidden isn't that it's unknowable. It's like it's put away. Well, you know, you get some stuff and you hide it away. Uh, you get it out of, out of, well, the Bible tells us here that God wants us to know the knowledge and the wisdom that are in him. Now, two things. Wisdom is the ability to apply what you know. In fact, the Bible tells us, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask and God will give it. Now, when the Bible tells me how to pray, that is a way I want to. I can tell God a lot of stuff. I can pray about a lot of stuff. But when the Bible tells me to pray for wisdom, friends, that's a good prayer. I would invite you, pray for wisdom. What is wisdom then? It's the ability to apply what you know. You may know a lot of knowledgeable people, and knowledge is important. But if you don't know how to apply it, what good is it? So God has knowledge for us, and he also has wisdom for us to apply what we know. Now, some people would call it common sense, but I have found something about common sense. It's not so common. That's one of the real problems with it. Common sense, you might say, is that wisdom of applying what you know. Now, verse 4, he goes on and tells us, and this is really the enemies of the church. One of the problems that Paul um, was hearing of was Gnosticism. 
Gnosticism is around today. It was around in Bible days, and it was around in the Jewish culture. The Sadducees kind of lightly would rub elbows with Gnosticism. In the days of Jesus, we remember there were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees really didn't believe in life after death, angelic beings, supernatural. They just believed that following the Bible was a real good, nice way to live. You know, everybody has a code that they must live by. The old words of Crosby, Steele, Nash, and Young. Well, the thing is, is that when we look to the Bible, the Bible tells us how we need to live. Well, the Sadducees believed to be morally responsible, not to lie, not to cheat, all these different things. But when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. It's a form of Gnosticism. That there is a God, but the God that's out there is unknowable, and he doesn't really get involved with the affairs of men. And if he does, he does it through liaisons or religious icons down through the history. And this is where a lot of these religions of our world come from, because they believe that God would not directly speak to you. Well, the Bible tells us that he does. God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. What makes Jesus Christ so unusual is Jesus being God really just destroys the whole Gnostic idea that God is out there, but he's not knowable. Uh, He doesn't really deal with the affairs of this world. And then God sends his only son into this world. So in in a way, you might look at the, the Sadducees as people who had a knowledge of God, had a moral compass, you might say, but didn't really believe in anything else. No angels, no life after death, no moral accountability. So, he says, Now this I say, lest anyone would deceive you with persuasive words. What are these persuasive words that Paul was concerned about? I believe it's the same thing we find today. How to move God and get him on your team. Well, unfortunately, today we find that rampant in the world. It isn't coming to the cross and dying, as Paul says, no longer I, but Christ lives within me. It's that I'm not going to realize my goals, my dreams, my, uh, 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 my aspirations until I accept Christ as my Savior. Friends, that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't, I'm going to come to God, and then God's going to make it all happen for me, my dreams. No, we lay all that at the feet of the cross because of this reason. God's got something better for you than you think. The Bible says, who can do beyond what we can ask or think. Now, again, I, so I have this idea of how I want to live my life. Okay, well, God, I want to do this, and I want to have a white picket fence. I want to have it out. I want to do that. I want, and God says, no, 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 no. I put you on this earth for my purpose, and my purpose is far greater than what you can imagine. That's why I don't want to limit God in prayer by saying, God, do it my way. You know, I found it's a lot wiser just to say, okay, Lord, you do it your way. That's what's really going to make the difference. And so he says, I say this lest anyone would deceive you with persuasive word. By the very nature of this verse, it tells me there are going to be people out there who are going to want to deceive people. 
Well, there's a lot of people that like to take advantage of one. Now, for though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. This overjoyed him because, again, they were rooted, and yet at the same time, they were moving. It's kind of an oxymoron, but it, the truth is, is that we are rooted in God, and we continue to move in what he's called us to do. Verse 6, he says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You know, the gospel, friends, is simple. I love this about the Lord. I don't know how Jesus could do this, but if you, any of you have been around kids, it's a pretty strange thing. Kids don't hang around where they're not interested. You ever notice that? You can even put their favorite cartoon on a DVD on the big screen, and if they're not into it, they'll watch it for about two or three minutes, and they're gone. They're off playing with their toys. What was weird is that Jesus would teach... And the kids were trying to get to Jesus. And the disciples were trying to hold the the children back. They probably thought they were doing God a favor. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus could hold the kids' attention, cause the kids to want to come and sit on his lap, and at the same time confound the Pharisees. That, friends, is a good Bible teacher made it simple enough they could understand it and complicated enough that the religious leaders couldn't grasp what he was trying to say. I like that. So he says, walk in him. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Just walk in him. I'm always amazed that I see people and religions complicate simply just trying to come to God and just enjoy his love. They got it all confluted and configured out and all this kind of stuff. Just walk in him. Now, what does that mean? Um, Well, if you're not from southern Idaho or anywhere where usually it's cold, in the wintertime, there's this weird phenomenon that happens where snow comes out of the sky and covers the ground. I hate it. I don't like it, but it's still there. Well, what I have found, if you're going someplace, following someone, have you ever noticed how if you step in their footprints, you can walk a lot either? Somebody has went before you and smushed, I don't know if that's a word, but it should be, smushed the snow down, and then it's easier for you because you can just simply walk where the person in front of you has already walked. That's what this verse is talking about. He's saying, therefore, in Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walk where he goes. He's the leader. We're the follower. I'll tell you, I've seen those bumper stickers years ago. said, Jesus is my co-pilot. Used to see it on the back. Listen, friends, Jesus is not my co-pilot. I'm in the back seat. I want him to fly the dude. I don't want to even be, don't give me a steering wheel. You know where you're going? Let me just simply be in the back seat. I am very happy trusting God where he's going. So much better. 
Notice again, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith that you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. You know, the Bible tells us thanksgiving is a real important part of our relationship with God. Because here's what happens in Thanksgiving. And I'm not talking about the uh, fourth uh, Thursday uh, of, of November. It's great that the nation recognizes a day of Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, our nation no longer knows who to thank because they're all messed up. But the thing is, for us as Christians, we thank God. But Thanksgiving is not something we do once a year. It's really, friends, I believe, something that we do every day. Here's why. In Thanksgiving, it forces us to take inventory of our blessings. Do you you get that? Now, here's why that's important. Because God uses the blessings in your life to bless others. So if I'm either unaware, willfully, or ignorantly of the blessings in my life, I will not then exemplify them or use them to reach somebody else. Here's the point. What do you have in your life? Okay, God, I'm thankful for it. God says, I'm glad you recognize you have those things. What do you got? Well, I got a car. I got a few bucks in my pocket. Got a few friends. I got, uh, I got uh, a, a church family. God says, okay, what do you want to do with that? What do you want to do with what I have given you? Well, I just, I'm saved to set gloriously. Hallelujah. No, we're saved to be active. God puts in us as earthen vessels his blessings, his resources, his wisdom, his knowledge. Why? So we can just get fatter and fatter and pretty soon I look like Jabba the Hutt. No, God blesses us so we can bless others. Now, love is one of those things that forces me out of my comfort zone to reach out to others. And I have found many, many times in my life, I am comfortable, fat, dumb, and happy to sit behind my white picket fence and watch the world blow up. But you know what? God loves all of us too much to let us do that. And so what God does sometimes, he motivates us. How does God motivate us? I have found sometimes I hate to say this, through uncomfortability. In other words, things don't go well, so that causes me to go outside of my world and look for an answer. Now, with me comes all the resources, the things I should be thankful for, but then God says, okay, this is where we're going to use them. God doesn't waste. God is is not government, friends. Government is the ultimate waste of every resource there has ever been. But God is not waste. God is fully efficient. And whatever he's put in your life, he's put in your life for a reason. And this is a good thing too. When you become born again, God does something else. God subtracts out of our life, which isn't good. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. Because there's a lot of stuff we can get in our lives that doesn't help us. And it ain't going to help anybody else. I I don't really, well, you know, I just keep my bong. I keep it in the closet just in case, you know, I don't know. Friend comes by, I don't know. No, there's a lot of stuff God takes out of our life. There's a lot of attitudes God takes out of our lives. 
Because then that way I can be more efficient in the family of God. God is extremely efficient. Let him be efficient in your life as well. Now notice abounding in it with thanksgiving. Always remember thanksgiving is God's way of having us take inventory of our life. What do I do? You know, it's funny. Um, somebody asked on every man an answer. Book of Revelation says you'll be tested for 10 days. What was that about? Was that literally 10 days was the question? Well, 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. You have the 10 plagues that came upon the nation of Egypt uh, when the children of Israel were captive there. You have the 10 commandments, testing, find out, are we going to serve God? Are we going to serve ourselves? Are we going to love our fellow man? Or are we going to love ourselves? You have, but you know, there's a lot of other 10s in the Bible. And when you stop to think about it, I have five fingers on one hand, five fingers on the other. Well, you can't, thumb. okay. We have 10 appendages on our hands. Testing. What do you do with your hands? We have 10 toes on our feet. Where do you go? God testing. I believe all the way through the Bible. Remember there was 10 lepers that Jesus healed. What was the test? Only one came back and said thank you. So 10 in the Bible is the number 10 commandments. Again, are we going to serve God? Are we going to serve ourselves. Well, when we look at that, again, that forces us into thinking, what resources do I have? And I just want to encourage all of you that um, take inventory often. Be thankful every day. Think about what God has given you. Now, verse 8, he now gets into the warning part of it. Beware. Now, I think this is important because um, Christians, you have enemies. And if you don't recognize your enemy, you can believe the enemy. And that's why I believe Paul does this. This is why I believe the teaching of the Bible is so important. I believe, as I said earlier, the greatest pain a pastor can have is to people that you have taught the Bible go gollygagging off into something else away from the Word of God because you know it's going to hurt on you. It's like you that have uh, children. And you can say, honey, don't do that. Don't run with your shoes on your wrong feet. They put the left one on the right, the right one on the left. And they run. Why is that? Because they're shaped weird and they fall on their nose and it scratches. So you say, don't do that. And then they do it anyway. And you go, ooh, it's going to hurt. Same way it is with the Bible. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, Thanks for listening, 
and tune in next time for It's Time.